listening to a special edition of the Chomcast, a review cast, a re-review, if you will, of Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. <laughs> I am Morgan Barnes, General Mountain Time here with a couple members of the Sword Tromp crew today. We are up bright and early. Joining me from Japan, of course, is Shay Layton, the professor. Um, not early, actually, I lied. It's uh, 9 o'clock in Japan, so... <laughs> it is. It is. It's fairly... Late for me, I know for some people they're like, oh, that's that's just getting into the good parts of the night, and that's usually about the time I'm getting into bed, about ready to fall asleep. So I'm gonna be loopier than usual, but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> that a boy, I thought I was keeping you up all late for some reason to record this in time for the embargo, and you're like, it's nine o'clock. I'm like, oh, that's not <laughs> that's not bad at all. <sighs> yeah, you you um, live off of the no sleep thing. I cannot. Like, I'm useless if I get anything less than six hours of sleep because I'm a baby. Yeah, look, man, you know, uh, having children will do that to you. But, hey, look, it's, you know, normally we record the Chomp cast in the evening, and it's, uh, you know, in the evening here in Montana, and it's early in the morning in Japan, so, you know, everything's slipped around. As, as Michael Scott would say, oh, how Six the nine. turntables... Oh, I thought you were going to say snip snap. <laughs> reverse, reverse. Precursor that. <laughs> anyway, thanks for being here, uh, Shay. We're gonna, uh, we both are got our hands on the review code for Kingdoms of Amalur, a re-reckoning. Also joining us from New York, the one and only Rich Meister is up and at him. How you doing, Rich? Well, you know, mornings are pretty wild. They got food, TV, almost everything. <laughs> Don't I don't care. I'm not interested in their food or their TV if it comes at the price of uh, getting up this early. Let me tell you. Um, actually, there's sun emanating into your uh, beautiful little room there, Rich, in New York, because you're a couple hours ahead of me. It's what like eight thirty, so you yeah. know. <laughs> he he looks kind of like you can't obviously see this, the listeners, but he looks kind of holy right now. Like he's wearing a light yeah. colored shirt, so it's almost glowing. There's, see, yeah. there's, um, guys, you would know this. There, there's a, there's a sweet spot of time that I, that I call the, these, these sweet box here over at around, happens between around noon and 1 p.m., where the amount of sunlight coming in through the window at the desk I work just kind of drapes my, my arm in sunlight, my mouse arm, and it warms up the desk, and it's a beautiful time of day. You call the sweet yeah. box? <laughs> I was, you know, I was, okay. I was going to make a joke about that, Morgan, but since we're here about one specific thing, I figured it's probably a good idea to forgo any joke. That thing is American history. September 9th, 1862. <laughs> he's, he's glowing uh, in the illumination of that window pane, much like I can hear like a Grant Kirkhope soundtrack, just oh, whimsically, uh, you know, playing in the background as he's... Mm. In his sweet box, so so to say. I keep hearing the um, Mumbo Mountain theme. <laughs> Rosh, this is, yeah, this is a hard deviation. Um, man, one day we'll have a remake of uh, Banjo Kazooie, and you know that'll be a magical day as well. So, but uh, yeah, this is this is gonna be a fun little short show, special review show. And hopefully we'll have it up right around time for the embargo. And, you know, this is interesting because um, when 
when I got the codes here to to play this game, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, they had been pretty mysterious about it. They had said there's a a little bit of a visual upgrade, and they had mentioned that there would be uh, a different difficulty mode. But it's been pretty mysterious when they when they came out and announced that there was going to be this remaster re reckoning. They did announce that really cool looking collector's edition. Um, it came with a nice little uh, statue. Um, and, and all that good stuff. And I was like, okay, that looks cool, but it's pretty mysterious about it. So, and, and you couldn't get anything until the review embargo, which we were also waiting for. So I was just really curious to get my hands on it and see what exactly it was, especially from my perspective as like, I would say a, um, Kings of Amalur kind of became a cult classic because of everything that happened in history with that game. And then, uh, and I'm a big, uh, I played the, the original game twice, um, I was obsessed with it at the time. I really loved it. Uh, and I don't think it's one of the greatest games ever, but I think it's one of my favorite games ever. Um, I just want a little background on you guys real briefly here. Rich, you played the, you played the Kingdoms of Amalur all the way through back in, in the day? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Well, you're, um, wrong podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you did, pl- did you play it back in the day though? Yeah, yeah, I played it. I don't th- I don't think I finished it. Um It's a long game. It was one of those things yeah, that became more of a morbid curiosity for me as the years went on because obviously I'm just, I'm sure we all remember they had much bigger aspirations for what that game was supposed to be. Like it it was supposed to be this game that introduced the lore of this universe that they were going to be making an MMO of. It Copernicus it was they were calling it. Yeah. In their head supposed to be this thing that was going to rival WoW. Yeah, the yeah. story is is crazy. Okay, but you did you did uh, well. It'd be fun to bounce some ideas off you. And Shay, you were interested in it at the time, I remember, but you were just it like missed it. Yeah, yeah. So, I I think we talked about it briefly a few days ago on the main episode. But Ari Salvatore is one of my favorite authors. He's been one of my favorite authors since junior high school. Um, Todd McFarlane is an awesome artist. Not only did he do Spawn. I don't know if you even know this, Morgan. He did a bunch of uh, Magic the Gathering cards, and I used to be really big into Magic in oh. high school and a little bit after I graduated. And he did some amazing artwork on some Magic cards as well. So when I heard those two names, I, I was completely about it. And it just kind of slipped through the cracks. Is the tail end of our first podcast when that game released, and I just... I I happened to miss it. I was starting to go to college during that time, and I just never made it back around to it. I I own the game. I just didn't make time, unfortunately. So it's kind of timely that this game dropped when it did uh, for people like me who miss the game. Well, that's one thing I was reading about, too, is that they said that when it was originally released... Um, it came like people like me really got into it and it, it sold well enough, but like the timing of the game was a little bit rough because it came out a cup, just a couple months after Skyrim and exactly. Skyrim was like such a huge thing. Setting the world on fire yeah. in terms of what the open world fantasy RPG was. Um, but this game had a lot going for it to be perfectly honest when like, like what Shay was saying, like Ari Salvatore being the writer already loops people like Shay in. I feel like there's a certain connotation that comes with getting Todd McFarlane for your art that feels like you have a very specific vision 
yep. in terms of what you want your world to look like because the things that come to mind as Shay was saying when you think of Todd McFarlane namely for me um as a child of the 90s are Spawn and Venom like those are the, the things I think about yeah. yeah absolutely well yeah it's cool to hear that he did the magic cards as well because the that's one of the things at the time I really enjoyed with the game was that the art style was very sort of uh, big over exaggerated like pauldrons and crazy looking swords and and it was just very beautiful at the time it also reminded me of sort of like a very beautiful like world of warcraft-esque kind of look to it just very polished and and i i love that kind of stuff um as well yeah. like it's it's e- go ahead i was i was just gonna say it reminds me a lot of when i first booted it up uh this time around because i i've watched my father play it a little bit i've watched you play it i've watched some other people play it as well. It's very much more um, whimsical driven, something like a fable. So I, obviously, fable, if, yes. had the MMO worked out, it definitely would have carved its own niche uh, being there because it had enough of a different tone than something like World of Warcraft. And I think that would have justified its existence had it become an MMO. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I enjoy about it is that it's it is sort of like a more whimsical sort of thing. Like even if there are like kind of serious beats in it, it is sort of like the whole story to me in many ways is like reading the badge the bottom of a magic card, and I kind of like that about it, which is is just sort of a what do they call that a high fantasy, low fantasy? I I forget the exact terminology, but um, Fanta fantasy. <laughs> um, anyway, don't you want a Fanta? Fanta. Font, that's what it's Fanta fantasy. Um, I uh, is this real life? Is this just fantasy? Good one. I I really like that. That's oh, <laughs> it's getting rich early in the morning there. Um, I'm a little delirious at this hour. Man, you know I'm cracked out up on cookie dough and Dr Pepper, so we're good. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? How are you alive? <laughs> Never change, Morgan. Never change. Um, I don't want to focus too much on the history because I know it's this is more about the 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 remaster. But I was just gonna say, um, very briefly here because part of the appeal of why this remaster even exists right now, eight years later, uh, I, I believe is is the development and everything that happened. So very briefly, if you go back in time to the development of Amalu, um. This is kind of like the... Gotta go back in time. Sorry, can we put like a, a little audio snippet there? Go ahead. We can. <laughs> uh, we can. Um, this is kind of the Cliff Notes version. You know, Big Huge Games was a studio at the time that had lured Ken Rolston um, out of retirement. He was the lead designer of Morrowind and Oblivion. And they also had a legendary composer, Grant Kirkhope, of course, Banjo-Kazooie, Viva Pinata, and more fame. Um, and Big Huge Games acquired... Uh, was acquired by THQ. But unfortunately, because of economic conditions at the time, they announced they were going to have to close unless somebody swooped in and bought them. And in comes the savior, Mr. Bloody Sock himself, Kurt Schilling, uh, who owned a company called 38 Studios because he wanted to make some nerdy video games. Um, And then he had some contact with legendary writer R.A. Salvatore and legendary artist Todd McFarlane. And suddenly Kingdoms of Amalur was born. It sold uh, over a million copies in the first 90 days. But they had financial issues. The company did, of course. There's a really big controversy. Uh, 
uh, either Rhode Island government got involved. It was a whole thing, and they were shut down, uh, which was very sad. Um, and the game was successful, but like it would have had to have been like 10 million successful, like Skyrim successful to keep that company afloat from what I was reading. Oh, good. You're finally awake. And, <laughs> and, uh, anyways, that, that whole situation is, is pretty interesting to me, but that's, that's sort of like the very, the Cliff Notes version of, of how it came to be. But the, the myth that the game was not successful, I don't think is fair. It was more of just how the company was sort of handled at the time yeah I, it sold well it just didn't sell super exactly. well and the company was in financial straits yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of like what not to bring another studio into this conversation but kind of reminds me vaguely of what telltale went through where basically um the games that they were making basically they needed those games to succeed at such a high level for them to uh, to save their studio, essentially. And that's kind of where the this game was cost. at. It's yeah. not that it was a failure by any stretch of the imagination. It's just what they needed because they were losing out everywhere else, money-wise and whatnot. There's just no way that this game could have been successful according to what their expectations were, uh, not only because of the release window, being so close to a game like Skyrim, which kind of vaulted uh, Western RPGs to where they're at now, but also just um, a lot of the things we're probably going to get into later that were that was were issues with the original game. Um, there there were some definite issues there, and um, actually playing it now in 2020 for the first time, those issues are even more glaringly apparent. Yeah, yeah, it's it was one of those things where I don't think anyone said it was a perfect game at the time. It was just sort of like um, it was unique in that it was a loot game with like a really strong combat, and there wasn't a lot of games like that. I mean, it was kind of nice when Diablo final finally came around to console because you could roll, and they had and they had the the um, the combat. What do you mean Diablo was on the PlayStation One? Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. Um, yes, it was. Yes, it was. But you know what I mean. When Diablo uh, three came around to the PS um, to PS four and the Xbox One, it was it was a lot more active and engaged. And and that was the the hook with this game when they first started was that they wanted, you know, they of course they had the designer of like Oblivion and stuff like that. But they wanted basically a big beautiful world. But they also wanted the loot aspects. And most of those games you know, don't have active combat like this where the camera rolls back and you'll fight like a giant troll or something. It's just a very, at the time, it felt very like God of War-y. Um, and we don't see that combat too much like this anymore. And once Dark Souls came along, it sort of pioneered that whole change and that whole movement, which I think is interesting. Because even going back and playing this now, it doesn't, you don't see this many kind of games anymore. But at the at the time, it was definitely more novel, so... That's uh, yeah. that's what I always loved about it. During during that era, it was starting to become a lot more popular. Obviously, with Diablo three in this game, and you started to see it permeate almost every game there for a few years that had loot for absolutely zero reason. Like Fallout four was a cool addition too, but just around that era, there were a bunch of games just throwing loot in, and it seemed like every game we were playing there for a few years just had loot because that was kind of the standard. 
It's kind of similar to something like when Minecraft dropped and it started becoming really popular, you had games just throwing sim building elements into their games just because that was what was popular at the time. So yeah, I the loot thing was um starting to become very popular shortly after the release of this game. Maybe this game had some kind of influence in that. I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure it did. But um yeah, it it was interesting. It kind of um not gonna say it, it uh preceded the boom of that or the boon of that because I think Diablo would be the it, one obviously it, we'd want to attribute that to, but it definitely I think added well, to was, the popularity of what was going on during that time, which is not that long ago. Yeah, at at the time I was that was big into a genre that I loved and Diablo three didn't come out until May of of that year so that actually came out later than this game and i i can tell you guys at the time as someone who was like obsessed with loot games when i was younger just that sort of the random role and the addiction of like oh is it a purple is it an exotic what am i getting here like this this game preceded even diablo 3 so like it's important to remember that at the time like this was a very more novel concept and they were sort of building it around the concept of like elements of wow and diablo whenever they designed it because Loot games were and not even everywhere at the time. Yeah, and I don't even... Uh, Borderlands 2 had to have been out by then, I believe, right? Wasn't Borderlands 2... Borderlands 1 had had those... Had that loot element to it. Well, yeah, 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 for sure. I'm just saying... Yes, what I'm saying is that... It, no, Borderlands 2 was even late 2012. So what I'm saying is that it wasn't oversaturated at the time. Like, yeah, no, definitely um, not. Definitely not. Which was... Cool. Oh, the problem with Borderlands 2 wasn't the loot. <laughs> I actually really yeah. like the loot. Um, and yeah, so it's cool, you know, in a game like this where it's like you have Todd McFarlane and, and all these incredible artists, when you find something, it's like it is like finding some sort of crazy like Magic the Gathering kind of uh, weird, you know, sword with all sorts of weird edges and it's glowing fire and you get all these crazy pauldrons and all this weird stuff. And it just gets, as you get deeper into the game, you get more and more of that stuff. But anyways, let's get is to pa- the actual... Is pauldron um, the word of the podcast? I... Uh, whenever I think of this game, it's like a word association. Like whenever you're like in movies, when they hold up that little th- blot of ink and they're like, what do you see when you see every time I think of this game, I think of pauldrons. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Why. Like, it's kind of like how whenever I think of Quentin Tarantino, I think of, few. yes, yes, exactly. That's the <laughs> second podcast in a row. You've made that joke, Rich. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why. It's okay, Rich. <laughs> We're all about broken record jokes here. That's, I mean, <laughs> I was I was it's, it's, I wasn't about that. I was just thinking maybe he really secretly does have a foot fetish, but uh, yeah, that's it's not a secret. He mentions it on every podcast. I mean, come on, you're not wrong. But. Yeah, let's let's uh, get into right this remaster you. because I actually I had a question for you, Morgan, if you don't mind me going ahead of you really quick because I booted it up. That's what I'm here for, and okay. I was kind of underwhelmed at first with it being quote unquote remastered because I, when I booted it up, I was like, this looks like a game from 2012. Like the, the facial animation, the character animation, I was not super impressed with it. And it wasn't until I got out of the initial area that I felt like there was a boost in, in terms of visual quality, especially the environments. So I was curious how you felt because obviously you spent a lot more time with the original than I did, and you've spent a lot more time with this remaster than I have. 
how you feel about yeah. the, the visuals. Um, it's so this is the interesting part is I, I have thinking about this from a creation standpoint a lot this week because it's not like a spyro level remake where you have like a PS one like and I consider that sort of like the to me that's like the top tier of the, of the remakes because they just completely redid the visual look of that game and it's gorgeous and it's not quite on the level of like a Final Fantasy twelve Zodiac Age where it's like a, a PS2 game that was just really fuzzy at the time, so they bring it back and, and clear it up. What I was thinking it's weird about this game, because they did increase the visual fidelity, um, which is, yeah, once you get out of that opening kind of cave area, you'll definitely notice it, it popping a lot more. Um, is that I don't play a lot of remasters from the 360 era, and I, I was thinking about how kind of it's a weird, like, no man's land of, like, most of the remasters and remakes we play are from, like, older PlayStation games or PS2 era. Like, you don't, even, like, the Halo remakes I replayed lately, and they did such an incredible job with those two, um, 343 did, those were Xbox games, you know? Like, this is the first 360 game that I played, and I sort of realized that, we're not quite at the point where people are you know, completely redoing the visuals on those 360 games yet, unless, or PS3 games, unless you can think of some. Well, I couldn't think of any. You got, you got to think of uh, Shadow of the Colossus, which isn't like a com- complete overhaul. And that was PS2. Well, that's era, PS2 still. But yeah. that, that's about as close yeah. as I could think of right now. But, you know, for me, I was kind of thinking about this. Uh, there was the Final Fantasy VIII remaster last year and the only thing that they truly remastered out of that were the character models um yeah, and not yeah. even all of the character models just some of them yeah and faces uh, <laughs> yes the faces and well and the bodies of some of them a little bit but yeah, yeah. uh yeah the, where this game feels like is the opposite and i you know it's really hard to not talk about other games when you're talking about remasters because you look at some of the remasters that have come out recently, this year, last year, and there are some amazing, amazing remasters and remakes. Um, and not to say that this one isn't an amazing game as well, but I feel like, um, you know, with with when when you hear that word remaster or remake, it's interesting because we each have different expectations for what that means. And a lot of times the the cost is going the the price tag is going to reflect what our expectations are. Now this game as far as I know isn't dropping with a $60 price tag. Am I correct in saying that? It's dropping with a $40 yeah, price tag. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's 40 and then I think owners on Steam and places can get it even cheaper if they already own the game. But yeah, it's it's technically discounted, yeah. Right. And th- that makes sense. I think that's good because then that kind of stymies that expectation a little bit that you it is going to be a complete overhaul and because for me it was kind of the opposite of something like final fantasy 8 where instead of revamping the character models they seem to just revamp those environments that i think that in my mind that this game isn't being dropped for the sake of it being remastered which i think is a good thing for uh people who have loved the game for eight years people who are in on that cult classic like you have been you've been very privy to it for the past eight years you've talked about it consistently for eight years i think it's 
I think it's a, it's fan service to people like you, but I also think B that it's reopening the window for this game because they, they really did put a lot of work into the lore. You can really tell they like, there's a lot of content there and it was kind of sad that it just came and left because there's so much there that they could do so much with that. So I feel like this is kind of a, they're reopening the window. Right. It's like testing the water. Exactly. Exactly. They're kind of, they're dropping this game. THQ Nordic is dropping this game to say, how much interest is there? Because if we drop this and we make a certain amount of sales, then that to me says, if I am the studio that, Hey, maybe there is more room here for growth. We just need to figure out a better way to do it. So it's definitely testing the waters in my mind, and I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing as well. And that's an exciting thing. Um, I don't know if the sales are going to reflect that, and I sincerely hope so. Uh, Because, you know, booting it up and starting it, um, it's clear that the creators had so many grandiose plans for this title. Yeah, it's like one of the, it's like you want it to be, and not everything's going to be the next Skyrim, but they, they had intentions of of that sort of ambition. It's sort of like a super team, because if you look at all the town involved, it reminds me of like super bands and music. Like, it's not like, like I love a band called A Perfect Circle, and they're sort of a super band fusion. They're not as groundbreaking as Tool, anywhere near, but I still, sometimes I just really you know, in many ways, I almost love a perfect circle more for different reasons. And um, I, whenever I was looking at this game first came out, they're like Todd McFarlane, Grant Kirkhope, we got Ken Rolston. It was like a super team of like everyone in the industry. It was like a super band. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember when it was announced and I saw Ari Salvatore's writing and Todd McFarlane is doing the art direction. I was like, holy shit i was like this is amazing like i was talking about it with my father because my father is the one who introduced me to both uh todd mcfarlane and ari salvatore and of course he was hyped as well he loves this game and um yeah just hearing that was incredible for me at the time because i'd never known people to kind of cross over into gaming to form like a quote-unquote super group like you're talking about to make a yeah game and it was so exciting at the time it's something that for me, I had never seen, and I'm sure there are examples that exist in the video gaming world before this, but for me, you know, being as immersed into video games at the time and now, I had never heard of that up until that point. So it was a super exciting time uh, to have that news drop. They And to answer your question uh, succinctly, I would say that um, there's two things. One, I would notice that you, the pre-setting, the default setting for the game is for a lot of areas is too dark. So I went in and adjusted the contrast, like in that first area or a lot of areas when I was walking around, I was like, I don't remember the game being this dark. So I brightened the contrast in the, the graphics option. Uh, and it looks a lot better that way. Um, for a lot of the darker yeah. environments and sure. the first environment is is cool for narrative reasons but it's basically just kind of a dark cave a, a tutorial sort of thing but yeah once you get out into the world like the more and more i've played it the more i've been like okay the the fidelity they work on this thing i think it's more of a respectful like let's let the original art design pop um and that probably also is a cool way of 
paying uh, tribute to the original game, but without spending too much time and money onto this, because like you said, they want to test the water. But I think it's important to remember that, again, there's not a lot of remakes. The, the Shadow of the Colossus remake was probably the one I thought was the most recent. I'm glad you brought that up. And that's still a PS2 era game. Like the PS3, Xbox 360 era, where you don't see a lot of remakes from. Um, so even though it feels like a million years ago, dude, I was... It was a different point in my life when Kings of Valmore came out. It's actually only been eight years. I know that sounds like a crazy thing yeah. to say, only eight years. But it's not quite as long as we you think it is, you know? <laughs> no, definitely so. not. And, like, it's kind of cool to jump back into this game and to see how little they've changed. And I mean that in the sincerest way because one of the things I noticed, because I actually didn't know uh, one of the... Uh, creators of Morrowind and Oblivion worked on this game until you told me a few days ago that somehow slipped by me or I just forgot it due to the passage of time but when I booted it up and I'm seeing these menus and I'm seeing the text in the menus I was like this looks eerily like Oblivion like eerily similar to Oblivion yeah and when you told me that I was like that makes so much sense just like something as simple as menu design reminded me of Oblivion and um yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see that because it's it's a window into where gaming was at eight years ago. And it, for all of the pluses and minuses of that, it's like a little time capsule. And it's really cool to experience that on the, the newest consoles. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think as long as people go in with the expectations that that's what it is, um, and like I said, I got deeper into the just I got deeper and deeper into the game. Like a lot of the art and a lot of the environments are just really beautiful and interesting. And I, I think people are going to be really, really impressed with them. But just keep in mind, like especially at the very beginning of the game and um, what it is. But I've overall, I'm happy that they did something to it, you know, and it's nice. And I can tell you, I play the original game like crazy. It's, it's a noticeable difference. It's very, it's not a spiral level, like, Oh my God, they, but I don't think they could have, you know, so we don't need to, I don't want to beat that to a, to a pulp. It's just, I think it's too big of a game to do that too. That would, I mean, the kind of money and time it would take to do that would be, it, would, you'd, you'd, it they, has to be more of a sure It would have been at a loss. Know? Yeah. And like, yes. Yeah. And like Shay said, you know, I hope this game is a success and we'll see more from them. They actually announced that there's going to Great be success. Uh, a D, like there's going to be additional content that they're creating for this game. And I'm curious to see what that is. Cause it's coming out. I think they said next year. Um, well, yeah. They're putting an expansion out for it. I, th- I thought that, you know, which like, is fascinating. if I, rem- yeah. if I remember correctly, they had plans for a bunch of DLC and they had released some of it and they had rumors from, from more that was supposed to be released. And then it just, it never got released. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if what they're going to be releasing is some of that DLC that just was never dropped when the game, like when the DLC was originally supposed well, to be dropped for that game. Well, we did get, so here's the thing. A lot of people don't know that they included it this time, but there was two DLC packs that sort of got lost in the shuffle. And I played them when I was younger. One's called the legend of dead kill. And um, the other one is called the teeth of the narrows. And, they're really they're they were only a couple hours long but they were really cool at the time and those are included in this game right away you can i don't know i wouldn't recommend necessarily chasing them down because i think you have to go to certain environments to activate the quest which means depending on what difficulty you are that might be a bit of a bitch but you can 
all the everything from the original games is is included and they give you those quests right from the beginning of the game it's, it'll be actually a little bit overwhelming because you'll be like oh my god like why is there all these <laughs> what is there three main quest lines going on here um but that, yeah, two of those are dlc so yeah it's it's cool that they threw that in i would i would expect them to do that to be honest with you because them trying to be like oh well we have these dlcs for this game that released eight years ago we're gonna try and re-get you yes. to buy it would have been a at this point thing, yeah but bare minimum no they did the right of, yes. thing there it, it they did it's the right a thing. definitive edition like if you don't uh, the, the difference being like that new content i think it's safe to assume if if like you said, Shay, it is. Oh, here's the DLC we never put out. That DLC was probably never finished, or it would have been put out. Right. Well, that's what like, I, that's what I want to know because they didn't tamper with the this game at all, as far as like they didn't make new character designs or anything like that that I've seen. Right, other than just adjusting the fidelity, of the visuals. So I want to know what that DLC is that they're releasing. I'm fascinated by that. Like, is that asset work that they inherited from the IP? Is that like stuff they're kind of doing on their own? Like with what I I want to know what that is. I'm really fascinated to see what that is is um yeah 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 absolutely. they're just making spawn playable <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> that would be spawn. amazing uh a couple things there uh one like one more a little bit whimsical one a little bit more serious i would love for them to throw and i don't obviously uh this character belongs to the forgotten realms so i don't know the likelihood that this would ever happen but throwing drist into that game would be freaking amazing even if it was like a you just have one mission with him That'd be such good fan service because obviously that's Ari Salvatore's most famous and iconic character that he's written. Uh, he's written over 30 books about this character. Um, I don't know what the likelihood is, like I said, but that'd be cool to see him in that game. But the, uh, the other thing that I wanted to say is, yeah, I'm, I'm equally as excited to see what this additional content that releases is going to be because um, to get a little bit more into this, remaster the re-reckoning it's it's like i said it's very clear that this game was released in 2012 and it's not just because of the visuals or the menu screen um a large a large part of it and this is kind of what i was alluding to earlier is how the game controls and plays as well like that does, hasn't really changed at all um you still have to deal with like you did in 2012 uh there there are times where the camera angles don't suit what you're what you need them to do they they don't do what you need them to do at times and it makes the combat a little bit rough or um this was a complaint from the original game is that because they were kind of preparing for that mmo uh style that they were eventually working towards a lot of the environments feel very large and empty at times and i noticed that within the first four hours of playing um that I would go do a mission and I'd have to run back to town. Granted, you can fast travel, but the fast traveling is a little bit antiquated in this game that since obviously games have gotten better with their fast travel systems. But uh, there are obviously certain areas you can't fast travel to. So you're having to go back to these areas and you're going back and forth a lot. And you, the, you don't have a horse to run on like you would in Witcher 3 or Ghost of Tsushima. It's something where you're just holding the run button and you're running. And you're holding the controller. So there's a lot of free time um, in between as you're going from area to area to do missions. And um, it very much feels like a game from eight years ago. And that's not to knock the game. Because that like you kind of have to expect that coming into a remaster. It isn't a remake where they revamp that. It's simply a remaster. 
Um, but I'm hoping that with something like DLC, they make some of that stuff a little bit easier. Like, I don't know how, like, they could integrate a DLC update to make some of that stuff easier, but... Introduce mounts. That would be cool if they introduced mounts, because the game definitely feels a little bit, like, long um, in tra- uh, transporting from environment to environment or location to location, but the, the, the reason why I bring this up is not for it to be in a knock on the game at all. Because this, this game was released in 2012. This is kind of what the standard was at the time. Obviously, games have, uh, in some people's eyes, progressed and gone different directions. So this truly is a, a time capsule in the 2012. It really is. And I say that because I want you as the, the listener, as the potential player, to kind of prepare for that. Because I thought I was prepared Taper for it, expectations, and it's not to say yeah. I wasn't, but I was running around doing some missions, and I was like, wow, I really am just sitting here running. And so I would put a podcast on uh, in between me just kind of running, and then when I get to the location I want to be at, then I focus on the game. But you just kind of got to be mentally prepared that you're going to be playing a game that was a lot of the mechanics, or all the mechanics, I should say, are from a previous era of gaming. and. And that's I to me it's a good thing because it's kind of like it's one of those games where you one of those kind of RPGs kind of like it was a, for Oblivion you could pop in and you could just binge it for twelve hours if you really want to or you can pop in and do a mission or two and pop back out and you don't feel like you are missing out on too much it's just one of those games you can pop in and out of or you can binge which yeah is, which is cool yeah it it is there are definitely some things because they didn't you know. A lot of that stuff is is the same, like you're saying, that are going to affect people differently. Like, um, like one thing that bummed me out a little bit was that there's still load times that for for older games, like just going in and out of like some of the buildings, like the load times just seem a little brutal. But I, weirdly enough, I have like a little yeah. bit. I, I don't know if it's maybe just the way I I'm used to playing the game, or maybe because I played it so much. But generally, I'll kind of load up on on side quests, and I kind of go out into the world that way. And uh, yeah, I think. I don't want to sound like I'm more forgiving of that aspect of the game, but I, because it's it's a it's a large world, but it still sort of feels a little scaled down to modern games like these giant like Breath of the Wilds and Red Dead's and stuff like that. I still feel like they put a lot of personality to in the world, and there's a lot of like lore stones, and you never know the next treasure chest around the corner could have a, a really cool piece of loot for you. And 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 like I said, I try to stack up on quest when i go out there into the world and so i i don't generally feel that that way about the world like you do but i'm curious to see how it it definitely is noticeable from a it's a game from a different era which is fascinating yeah Um, i really like those lower stones that you mentioned it reminds me a lot of some other games i've played i'm not gonna sit here and continue to talk about other games for something we're doing a review on. I, I'm trying my hardest not, not to talk about other games as much. I want to keep it on this game, but I really like the lore stones a lot. I think that's a really mm-hmm. fun little addition. Like you're saying, it keeps exploration between each area interesting. And um, I think there's like a, a differentiation that you and I can actually talk about here, Morgan, is because you would let me know towards uh, the beginning of the game when you first get out into the world, that there's a treasure chest that um, you have access to. Now, I don't, I don't remember. Is this something that we had access to because we had the review code, or is this something that everyone's going to have access to, this particular treasure chest that has all of these legendary items in it? it 
it's not super clear, but I think that might be DLC related. Like when you know how when you buy a deal a game and there's like DLC or pre-order stuff, sometimes they'll throw that in the beginning of the game. It's it's a it's a chest full of le- cool legendary items, but they're all low level, so it's not like it's gonna break the game. It's like the very lowest possible version of that weapon. But you, for us, especially in our reviewed version of the game, there's a chest at the beginning that has pretty much every almost every really cool legendary in the game just at like level yeah. one it's like a level one which is neat in, in some ways but you know it's well the thing strange. is did you take any of the legendaries or no i don't think you did right i i couldn't resist taking like one i think i took like one sword or something i don't know just because it's uh, it just seemed like a cool thing to do i was like i kind of want to take one of these but yeah. i felt a little guilty about it <laughs> yeah, like, well the mm. thing the thing was I didn't feel guilty about it at all. I decked myself out in legendaries. I was like, legendary bow, legendary daggers, legendary armor, legendary sword, uh, some compass. I don't know what I need that for, but fuck it, I'm taking that too. Like, I, you know, I was, I took literally. I know where I'm going, but fuck it. Yeah, I, I took literally everything I could that was legendary that I could fit into my bag. And for me, I, I kind of regret doing that because. A, a lot of fun, a lot of the fun of a game like like a loot based game or an RPG early on is kind of, I don't want to say grinding, but getting yourself to a place where you feel like you can competently ward off enemies. And the power part of fantasy, that is finding yeah. the gear, is getting the gold, is getting the yeah. experience. And basically, um, I, like I said, I don't know if this chest is going to be in the actual game. But I basically took one of those elements and just completely turned it into my favor. So, like, I was just destroying enemies. Like, I was having no issues. Just slicing through Slaughter enemies. Them, yeah. yeah. I mean, you gotta... It still must have been fun to, like, kick in that first door full of enemies and, like, a room full of rats and just been like, it smells like bitch in here. And just started, like, carving them up. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But it's like... Like, at that point, what Morgan is talking about, going into the world, you can find treasure chests kind of uh, scattered throughout the world, hidden in a corner um, at the end of a a dungeon that you're doing. And you can even find, like, hidden areas, like a pile of rubble or rocks. And if you have a certain ability, um, you can detect it easier, and you open it up and you find items. You can find certain things in there. And for me, I was just less incentivized to actually look in the chests because i was like yeah i already have all I the tried gear to warn I you want about that. And we'll ever want so it like to me it kind of took you you might want to try bumping the difficulty a little bit because if if that's the case because i one of the things i did and that's why i tried to warn you about it because it's like they put that temptation there it's a little it's hard not to is that the they added a new difficulty which is something i really wanted because i played the original game a couple times and it's just a new very hard difficulty but yeah it will i think you can probably bump it in the middle of the game because it looked I'm, like i when might I to the like, menus well, last i'm on night. hard right now I wanted to go on hard, not very hard, because I obviously wanted to get through enough of the game to be able to sit here and adequately talk, talk with about you it, about yeah. it, rather than being like, I played the first 30 minutes, and uh, here's what I think. But no, I, I, it might be something I do in the future. Um, but yeah, I'm on hard right now. It feels like a good, good enough difficulty for me to be enjoying it. I feel like if I was on very hard, I would probably think it's too much of a grind fest. Um, but I'm really enjoying the difficulty I'm on. I've really enjoyed um, one thing. 
uh, I want to say is I've really enjoyed a lot of the story so far. Uh, I, I really enjoy a lot of the side missions because it doesn't feel like a lot of that stuff is being tacked on. It feels like they really meticulously crafted the lore in this world and the stories in this world. So I've really enjoyed that so far. Again, it's the beginning of the game. I'm sure some of that stuff gets tired later in the game. But. Yeah, go kill some wolves. It, it, it says the thing, the enemies, you will get a bit ex- of an exhaustion there, but just every new environment and, and stuff like that, like it just impresses. I remember it just impressing me up until the end, and I've been really loving that part of the game a lot. Like I was telling you guys about that Webwood, that silly town. It's like they built their town next to uh, a, a forest that is completely drenched with spiders, but like it's and it seems so silly at first. You're talking to people in town, and they're just drenched like, the proper word when <laughs> when discussing spiders. <laughs> they're just they're infested. Just, Let's go with infested. Infested. Um, I don't know. I just like drench. Uh, it just sounds creepier. But yeah, no, it's um. It, and at first, everyone's like, "What? You make fun of us because we built our town right here by a bunch of spiders?" Um, and the whole town has like this crazy vibe to it. Like even the beds in the town have like this spider emblem on the back of them, almost like a like a touristy town you go to. And like, hey, we're known for you know being that town that's near spiders. But the more you learn about the town, like there are these silk farmers that are written into the game, and basically they farm the silk from the spiders. And there's all these people that kind of live there, and that's their job. And then they suddenly notice one day, they're like, yeah, we're getting so much silk now, and these spiders are getting a little more aggressive, and people are getting bit and stuff. So like, and I was like digging into the journals and a lot of the lore. I'm not going to get into like everything that happens, but doing all the quests in this entire area, which took me like a whole night, it was like three or four hours, like really filled out this really cool area of this world. And that was just one pocket. So I, and those were the kind of things that really enchanted me, but I want to kind of go through some of the new features and how I feel about them briefly here, because it's important. One, the new difficulty is awesome. I love it. If you love really challenging games out there, if you're someone who's playing this game for the first time and you play like Dark Souls and stuff like that, play this game on the, the very, the, the highest difficulty. Um, it's really satisfying to get to certain areas and certain bosses and have them like kill you in one or two hits. That's something for me that makes the loot feel like it matters a lot more. And I'm really enjoying that uh, so, a lot. So it really quickly in when, when you say they integrated this new difficulty, how, how is that new difficulty integrated? I think that's something that would be important to kind of discuss here. Like, is it that they're making the enemies hit harder? Are they more, knife spun blade spongy i don't know how you word that for medieval times but there's a couple things that they actually one of the nice things about getting these these review coaches actually send you this sort of like blueprint of the things they did and i was like okay i want to run this game through the paces and see if this is actually the case because it's nice to read it on paper but is this actually happening uh and the one of the things they said is that when you re-enter zones enemies the level will change to suit you which was not like the original game the original yeah yeah, the original it scales to you, and this game does a really good job of that. Even going back to the beginning of the game, it was scaling enemies to me that made them really, really tough. Like the first cave in the game, I went back there last night, and the enemies were still tough, which is really cool. The second thing is you get experience at a much uh, slower clip, which means I've been playing the game like mad for three days, and I am not some overpowered death lord. At, by any means at all and and the thing is in a lot of games if you do side quests and stuff you're just overpowered too quickly and then it gets boring in which case what's the point of having the new difficulty right so i think they did a really good job sort of scaling this is more of an under the hood remaster as i'm re- phrasing it to people when i talk um 
or when I will talk to people about it, I guess I should say, once I'm allowed to, is I'm going to rephrase it as a under-the-hood remaster, which is basically most of the work they're doing is stuff that maybe casual fans wouldn't notice. But as someone who um, is kind of digging into all this and has played the game so many times, I can really appreciate a lot of the tinkering that, that they've done. So, yeah, I, I'm a really big fan of that difficulty. That was something I really wanted back in the day when I was doing multiple playthroughs because, you know, even on hard... I just got to the point where I was wiping shit out. So, um, another thing they really do that's smart with the loot is that it's every time you open the chest, it's scaling to your level and what you need. Before, when you'd walk in a zone, the game would like save everything around you. Like, okay, you walked in this area, you're a level five. All these chests are going to be level five items. Now, it doesn't scale to you until you open the chest, which I think is really smart because you could spend a lot of time in an area, level up two or three times, right? And you want your loot to scale to your level. So they've done a lot of stuff like that under the hood that, again, maybe casual or new players won't notice, but it's really important to making the game feel a lot tighter and a lot more balanced um, this time around. Again, I haven't finished it. I've been playing it like crazy. I played the original game twice, but I've been playing this game nonstop since I got the codes on Friday. And all of that stuff has been really impressive to me so far because it makes the game feel a lot more balanced. And um, it's just, you know, it, it was frustrating in the original game at times because, like, halfway through it, you just felt like you were just mowing through everything or going, you know, it just made everything feel kind of like a chore at some point, which was too bad. So, Yeah, that's awesome. No, I, I just think that that's an important distinction to make there because um, any new feature that they've included in it, into this, definitely we need to talk about it. And yeah, so there's a lot of little tweaks like that under the hood. The difficulty is is the big one along with how they're, you know, handling different aspects of the the loot underneath. I think that's really important. Um and and look, uh a lot a lot of those sort of small calculations with how the balancing of the game, like I said, most people may not even notice. The, the fidelity is nice. And and the big thing I think people would ask is like someone like myself who love the original game is like, is there enough here for me to want to go back and play it again for myself? Like as enchanting as much as I love that original game, I played it twice. I have a lot of love for this game. I want it to sell well because I want to see a sequel, but is there enough here for me to want to play it again, to commit all this time in my life again, to, to, to getting back in the game? And the answer is with the new fidelity changes, the new difficulty and the new balancing under the hood kind of stuff. I think that they have done just enough for me. They've done just enough That's good. to get me back in. Um, and maybe those, the balancing and stuff underneath the hood might not even be noticeable or to a lot of more casual players, which is nice because they're playing it for the first time other than sort of, you know, the sort of the game feeling a, a little bit archaic in some ways because it's from 2012. I'm curious to see how how new people come around to it, um, but for me, they've definitely done just enough, and um, and I'm back in. I'm playing like crazy. I'm looking forward to pumping many, many, many more hours into it. And I'm I'm having a great time. So, yeah i I will say that obviously having come to this game officially in 2020, uh, you know, playing it a little bit here and there throughout the years, like. 30 minute stints a few times and watching other people play it. The, like I said, it feels like a game that released in 2012, but there is a ton of entertainment value in this game. If you are a fan of kind of the more 
lighthearted, whimsical fantasy, high fantasy setting, then you're absolutely going to be enamored with this game. The music caters to that. The visuals caters to that. The stories caters to that. There's some ridiculous stories in the game that I've already come across that I love. It's, it's very, very endearing in that way. And I think as a result of that, you're able to kind of look past some of the mechanics that feel very dated at this point. And it's not, there aren't a lot of mechanics that feel dated, but there are definitely a few of them in here, like we've talked about earlier. I think absolutely this game should, should have gotten a remaster, and I'm really happy it did because I know there are a lot of people that, like myself, who wanted to play the game, never made it around to it. And for them to do a, I think it's fair to say a soft remaster is awesome because they're going to be able to gauge interest in future installments. They're getting more money to be able to afford those future installments and they're reintegrating it into the public eye. Um, One of the things I said, I will say that kind of works against them is not in their favor is the lack of advertisement, I think. And also the lack of transparency because obviously Morgan and I were here kind of talking about a few things that we weren't entirely clear on. And I think that they would have benefited from them just doing a, a few Q and A's on YouTube, a few Q and A's for social media. Um, and them putting a little bit of funds into advertisement, not a lot, obviously, but a little bit, because I, I think I, I know actually that there is a market for this game. People are still playing games like Skyrim nine years later. Obviously, people love that high fantasy setting. Obviously, people like those open world RPGs. This is gun. This absolutely deserves to be remastered, and uh, it has a place in 2020. This game is a ton of fun. This game, despite despite some of the initial trappings of the game, this game is absolutely still fun. There's a ton of value there. Um, the story is magnificent. Uh, that's probably the highest thing for me. And obviously, I'm going to be slightly biased because one of my favorite authors of all time wrote the story. But there is a lot of depth in that story and the side missions. And you can go as far as little as you want. Um, and that's more talking yeah, about the original than this remaster. But um what morgan yeah. has talked about here what i've experienced i definitely think it deserved to be remastered the price tag is right for the game i think especially if they're going to be supporting it by giving it additional content um it's, it's a very in-depth game so you're getting a very lengthy fun game if that's something you're interested in yeah very very happy with this game i'm very very thankful that um we were able to get review codes to actually talk about this game because it's something i it's been on my bucket list gaming bucket list my docket whatever my backlog for years and to finally be able to play this game and talk about it uh super happy about that super thankful that we got this opportunity so uh i just want to say thank you to the developers for giving us this opportunity because yeah great great game and yeah hopefully it 
does well enough to where we can see a sequel. So, you know, there's that really nice collector's edition. So, you know, maybe that one, will, a bunch of hardcore people like myself, I'm if if they're out there, you know, and they want to pick up that nice collector's edition. But yeah, the reality is, yes, it's not on the level with like a Spyro remaster, but it maybe we expecting it to be is probably not realistic. Um, but yeah, with the increased fidelity and all the work they did under hood, under the hood to balance the game and the extra difficulty mode for a longtime fan like myself, they've done enough to to get me back in and appreciate yeah. and relove this game again. So yeah, absolutely. I have a quick question before we go because I know you're about to wrap up. Rich, is this a game that you th- you think like hearing us talk about it, seeing what you've seen about it? Granted, you've played the original. Do you think that there's uh, a level of justification for them making a remaster and are you interested in picking it up to play it i'm definitely interested i i i think the the interest is there the justification is there 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 are there is that sort of cult uh sect that cares about this game and i think it was the victim of circumstance at the time uh i i think it's 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 worth a it's a property worth taking a second crack at cool yeah because at first it had sort of like this negative connotation when you thought of Amalur because of how the studio everything happened the studio kind of like a a dirty stench to it but then eventually over time it became man that Amalur game was really fun it was really cool it sucks that they never got to make a sequel and and then that slowly built and built and built and then when you saw the announcement for this game people were like like our instagram page was like lit up with people just fucking losing their mind about it i'm like holy shit i didn't know so many people were excited about this game so a lot of people don't know the game is set entirely in rhode island <laughs> plot twist anyways um thanks for being here rich uh, from new york shay from japan of course i'm general mountain time morgan from montana thanks again thq nordic for the codes uh and there you have it our time with Kingdoms of Amalur re-reckoning so far. Do with it what you will. Thanks for checking out the show. And if you enjoy this, make sure you uh, subscribe to the Chompcast because we have a podcast coming out tomorrow, more our weekly show, and all amazing things we do, Sword Chomp. You can find us everywhere, at Sword Chomp, Instagram, Twitter, of course, swordchomp.com. So let's get the hell out of here. Thanks again, gentlemen, for being here. And uh, hope you enjoyed the show. The re-review.